You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Trey Holiday, And I just want to thank y'all for rocking with me for season one of The Day with Trey. I got a few moments here that I am going to be sharing with y'all because there were so many great moments during the season. But I got my top five I really want to share with you all. And so we're going to get right into it and kind of do a whole throwback on all of these amazing episodes. Well, my first favorite episode and first favorite clip um, is really the very first time I got to sit down with Haru Chayez Amin on the 9th of June. Um, this was a great episode because it was the first time that we started to really introduce some amazing healing techniques that we could all take into our personal lives. And one of the reasons why this is one of my favorites is because these are things I use all the time. Time. And people are always asking me, Trey, like, what do you do? What is your regimen? How do you stay centered? And these tips that he was sharing are definitely things that I've incorporated into my daily life. So I experience the positive benefits. So I want to introduce y'all to my very first favorite clip of the season right here with Haru Chayez Amin as he breaks down how we need to be breathing better to bring healing into our lives. All Check right, it out. Up next right now, I get to talk to Haru Chayez Amin. He is doing some phenomenal things in the community regarding health and wellness, bringing back some of the ancient techniques. What's up, Haru? Peace and blessings, Trey. Hey. Wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me here. And congratulations on that Emmy. Oh. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I see so you out much. here in the streets. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, it, it means everything to be able to bring that back to our community and really to have a platform where folks like yourselves and others can really come and share what they're doing in community. Now, some of them may not know, but you're really out here. You're doing Qigong. You're teaching stress-free for life techniques. But really, it's uh, this basis of ancient techniques that you're bringing to the forefront. Tell us a little bit about uh, why breathing is so important in all the work that you do. Well, breathing is the underlying and, and, and um, intro to stress. Once we start seeing ourselves breathing in the upper chest area, breathing through our mouth, um, panting and things like that, we're, we're already exhibiting the stress response. We, our body is already automatically responding to a stress situation like it's under a survival situation like it's life or death. So the fight or flight mechanism is kicked in. Um, your, your, your pupils dilate, your blood pressure rises. Um, you begin to, to, to feel the tension of stress. All the, all the blood moves away from your, your internal organ system and moves into your large muscle mass. It makes you want to run or fight, right? It wants to protect yourself. One of the things about stress that is huge is to understand that if we manage our stress, if we carry our stress every day, if we try to do that, we're going to harm ourselves for sure. And we might even kill ourselves. And so we have to learn that stress is not something that we want to manage. We want to get stress free for life. And there's a way to do that. We start with the breathing. Um, there's a there's a way to start with the breathing. And I teach how to start with the breathing through a method of, of yang gong and meditation practices um, that stem from, you know, ancient Chinese practices that stem from ancient Kemetic practices, which is ancient Egyptian practices around meditation, visualization and proper breathing and stretching. You know, I'll, I'll say that, you know, I think this is something that's so exciting because we understand so much of this is it 
really negative impact impacting the black community negatively right um when we talk about a lot of stress because there's a lot of other diseases and health conditions that come from stress i mean you know talking to others we we, we hear the numbers all the time in data we talk about diabetes we talk about you know having uh you know fibroids right we talk about um you know heart related issues uh you know blood pressure issues all of those things are really uh you know the outward effects of you carrying that stress. And so you're saying that there's some breathing techniques that people can literally do to work themselves through those things to eventually really eliminate the stress. Indeed, breathing is one of the basic keys to eliminating stress. If we can practice on a regular basis, breathing properly through our nose into our lower dantian or, or lower abdomen, we can preempt the stress response. And um, we couple that with some visual, visualization techniques and some chanting as well in meditations, but we, we want to understand that we can pre-hearse this, right? When we're in a, in a stress situation, we're automatically breathing through our mouth, we're automatically panting. If we can practice on a regular basis and get in the habit of breathing correctly, breathing only through our mouth, like we would talk through our nose. We don't talk through our nose, so why breathe through our mouth? It's not for that. Mm -hmm. We inhale through the nose properly into the lower diaphragm. It automatically activates the parasympathetic system, which calms the body down, which is, allows the blood to detox, which allows the body to relax, which actually activates the prefrontal cortex, which allows you to think, to analyze situations, and find the solution to the situation that's at hand. Most of us aren't in a life or death situation daily, so we're dealing with social situations, right? We're dealing with situations like somebody said something rude to me. I didn't get along with my spouse today, right? And we're acting and responding to those situations like they're life or death, which makes sense if they're a saber-toothed tiger trying to kill you. But most of the time, it's not a saber-toothed tiger. It's somebody you really love and you want to see them do well. So we have to work on the breath to do that. Uh, this is, I think, a lot, a lot of people may not even really know that that it's uh, breath is such a central part to how they respond properly to these kinds of situations. Uh, for folks that are out there that find themselves in, you know, what they may consider to be a stressful situation, what is one of the things that you would tell them with regard to how they need to then change their dynamic, right? Like maybe they're in that method right there and they're breathing through their mouth and they got coming through the chest and they're panting. You know, what are some of the things that you walk, you know, people through? I know you have clients too. How do you walk them through that? Well, I start before the stress situation. Once you're in the stress situation, you've already exhibited the response. We want to we want to cut it off before it happens. Mindfulness, you know, has that's been taught traditionally in, in ancient cultures and been taught here in America really is after the fact that the triggers are already set. We've already pulled the trigger. So we spend time in the mornings, right, breathing visualizing situations and interactions with other people that have triggered stress in the past. And we see ourselves at peace. We see ourselves smiling. We see ourselves breathing naturally. Um, to a person that's in the middle of the situation, I would say, you know, if you can, close your mouth, right? Um, you know, it's hard to say right now to shut up, but we got to close our mouth and start breathing through the nose, right? And once we start that process, when we get used to practicing that process, we'll see a lot of things change in our lives for the better. I, I'm telling you, you know, I am somebody who is practicing this, you guys. And I, and I will say that there's a lot of different things uh, over the last few years in my life that I've really applied in terms of what you're talking about with these teachings and visualizing myself responding peacefully 
to situations that I know have caused me to pant and to have more of an animalistic response. So much of this is also, you know, when we talk about different areas of the brain, you know, we've had several, I've been able to interview several people. And even yesterday, hearing from Rokia at Tubman Center for Health and Freedom, that one of the main things that they got out of their Well Us survey was that a lot of Black families are utilizing these ancient techniques now, right? They're starting to understand the benefits of things like yoga, meditation, um, you know, uh, you know, peacefulness in general. And so what you're describing are a lot of the uh, actual techniques that they can apply to ensure that that is something they're cementing with their health and wellness. Definitely. And it's, it's the basis of our ancient comedic practices as well. We learn that peace is our essential nature. We're created in the image of peace. And if we can respond to every situation in peace, we can actually tap into our divinity and understand how to interrelate with people. And so I'm a member of the Sarset Society, which has been around for 50 years, teaching our people, black and brown people, that you're a peaceful being by nature. And so this is how you're supposed to carry yourself. This is how you're supposed to breathe. This is how you're supposed to interact. Stress is something that we can get rid of. You know, if you would, if you were to sit on attack, you wouldn't get comfortable on attack. You'd remove the attack, right? So why get comfortable on stress? Um, why identify with our lower nature? You mentioned the four brains or the, or the brains. There's four brains that we talk about. There's a reptilian brain, there's a mammalian brain, and there's a neocortex, and then the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is designed to rule all of those lower brains. But when we are responding in stress, we're allowing the reptilian brain to control us. Who would let a, straight, a snake walk them down the street, right? So why are we allowing snakes and, and mammals to guide us? We have to we have to elevate and evolve as spiritual beings and as as decent and moral human beings by activating the prefrontal lobe. And, and we do that through a lot of things. Like I said, it starts with the breath. It starts with visualization. We also have to focus on our diet. We have to focus on our supplementation. We have to make sure that we rest and recover properly, things of that nature to make sure that we're taking care of our holistic health, spirituality and health go hand in hand. It's a holistic method. It's not just one or the other. It's all and. Yeah, yeah, geez. And, and uh, look, I'm working on the, the, the rest and relaxation part. I got some work to do there because, you know, as somebody who's just always going and on the go, that's something that I recognize in my own life of being like, okay, I really need, you know, my eight hours of sleep. I really need to be sure that I am taking time away, you know? So, so sometimes it's just like, okay, literally getting away so that I can do that. And I have to find better techniques to do that while I'm here doing the work. Well, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I think there's, uh, you know, a lot of people that may understand some of the techniques and they use them in military, right? When it's like, okay, you got to breathe in for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds. Um, is that something that you think a lot of people can, can kind of start to do is like an easy kind of method when, you know, they're, they're thinking about how to visualize, you know, themselves peaceful, you know, that kind of same technique that we see uh, for, for a lot of our officers in the military doing something similar uh, like that? Definitely. Um, when we're commuting back and forth to work, when we're going on walks or breaks, when we're sitting down in front of the television, you know, when we're at home, we can take some time to simply close our mouth, right? Breathe in deeply into the lower abdomen. The lower dantian is what we call it in a, in a very peaceful manner. We don't want to hear our breath. So we don't want to inhale loudly. We don't want to breathe through the nose. I mean, excuse me, breathe through the mouth. We want to breathe into our lower abdomen, hold that for a pause for a heartbeat, and then allow that to just release and relax and breathe out through the nose as well. We can practice that for five minutes in chunks. We don't have to do it, you know, for an hour a day. Like some of us practicing Qigong, we do it for a longer period of time, but you're welcome to join. People are welcome to join that. Um, but we want to make sure that throughout the day, 
preemptively before and after those stressful events that we practice breathing. So anytime you're thinking about it, anytime it comes back to mind or anytime you notice that your mouth is open and you're breathing through your mouth, close your mouth and just breathe in deeply into the lower abdomen. Mm. This is, uh, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm loving these kind of segments because we understand that this is a foundation for people really taking control of their health and wellness. And unfortunately, one of the things that we deal with in the Western society is, you know, people think, oh, I need a doctor for everything, right? Like, oh, I got to go see a doctor about this, or I got to get make sure I get a medical professional to tell me, you know, what to do best. And so really elevating these uh, techniques and then people like yourself who are out here in community doing this work, uh, allowing people to learn and get engaged with it is really important. Uh, what are some of the ways that people can reach out, get connected to some of the things that you're doing? I know uh, Qigong is happening, y'all. Every third Friday at the Liberty Bank building is open to the public. Uh, but make sure you look right there and just let people know how they can contact you, how they can get connected, because maybe there's some folks out there who really need these techniques in their lives. For sure. Now, on my website, herudchayazamen.com, you can schedule a 15-minute consultation with me, and we can talk through some of your issues, some of your concerns. We can plug you into our events. We teach Qigong three times a week, and that's for free, so anybody can tap into that, and I can share that link once you connect with me there. You can also connect with me on Instagram at herunefer, H-E-R-U, excuse me, N-E-F-E-R, um, on Instagram. You can DM me there or see the events there as well. We're all out here in the streets helping people. We're in the parks practicing Qigong. You're welcome to join and heal yourself so you can help others. There we go. Welcome to join and heal yourself. I know Salman is putting the links right there in the comments. Thank you so much, Salman. And thank you so much, Haru Chayez Amin. What a phenomenal way to introduce people to how they control what they think is stress in their lives. I just really appreciate you for bringing this practice to bear. Indeed. Thank you for having me. And thank you for repping the Heru Hills. I see you with the Falcon on you. Yes. I just I was going to point that out, too, because make sure somebody let's get that on the camera because, you know, Haru Hills, you guys can make sure you guys reach out to him, find a way to get the sweatshirt. You know, we're all going to be healed out here in this community. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. <laughs> oh, my goodness, you guys, I'm telling you. Um, and I said it yesterday when I was talking to Rokia that for me, there's so many things that are happening in community. The day with Trey really wants to be a conduit. So you guys all understand some of these things, but find the ways to get plugged into these efforts. You know, right now we're talking about how you heal yourself, how you understand what healing, overall healing really looks like. And again, these are ancient practices that our ancestors knew so well. This is how they created the first civilizations of the world. And now all of these techniques are coming back to life. I'm so excited, but also I am a real uh, practitioner of these things, you guys. And so it's something that I'm experiencing and, you know, the peace being my nature is so key to me every day. All right. Well, as we said, we're keeping this train rolling, y'all. So I get to introduce my favorite clip number two from season one of The Day with Trey. This right here was such an amazing episode with our friends over there at Acts on Stage, Isaiah Anderson, Michelle Lang Raymond, and several of their, uh, you know, seasoned performers were in the building. And I promise y'all, when this episode uh, filmed, taped, and aired, and ran, 
it was really a reminder for me of what I want the day with Trey to be. Let's celebrate all the great things going on in our communities. But at the end, these seasoned performers gave us a real treat. And I promise you, I was over here holding it together, trying to keep it together because I was watching my dreams manifest right here with this episode because it was so jam-packed with great information, but also great performance. So right here, my favorite second clip of this first season of The Day with Trey. Y'all check this one out. I got the pleasure to introduce Isaiah and Michelle. What's up, y'all? What's going on, Trey? Oh my gosh, you guys are phenomenal in everything you do. And I just thank y'all for making the time. I know it's been a busy season. Please, I'll start with you. How has it been shaping up? Because I, I heard on the streets, the auditions were fantastic. And it looks like it's moving in a great direction already. Okay, before he jumps in, though, I just got to start to say we are so thankful to come here today. And we did peep the new setup and stuff. And I was like, sister got a desk now. She got her own little station. So we brought a flower for you. But your greatness is filling up the table. So I'm just going to put it over here. And I hope we can start a trend where if you come to Converge with Trey, that you bring her a little gift, bring her something pretty to add to the set. So well, we welcome you to your new setup. Oh, right thank you. So y'all are so family. <laughs> I just appreciate that so much. Thank you. And I will gladly accept that addition to our phenomenal set here. Go, I'm glad y'all are enjoying it. Uh, you know, start us off here because you guys have been doing the Teen Summer Musical for years. And every year you guys find a way to revamp these dope stories. Crazy. Tell us, a, yeah, a, a bit about that process kind of behind the scenes. Woo. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, the Teen Summer Musical, everyone knows, is was created and designed and, and delivered to us by Steve Sneed and Rico Bembry years ago. Uh, but in 1997, they were able to start the process of allowing young black youth to perform on professional stages. And um, years down the road, years down the road, they said, Isaiah, here's the baton. Do what you do. Uh, and so myself and the team of individuals who has always made the Teen Summer Musical great, including Michelle Lang Raymond, uh, the one time Darcel Lorraine, Hubbard, like one of my queens, and Danae Simone, and, and all of those great people made this program um, a wonderful, wonderful uh, program in the community. And we are simply continuing that legacy. Um, remember that word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, continuing that legacy this year with... Uh, the greatest story ever wove. Uh, Michelle Lang, Raymond and I have talked about what we wanted the story to be like this year. Uh, I was very adamant about wanting to make sure people didn't forget the great music, the great talent that we had. And so I wanted to do a, hey, let's just do some scenes and songs from past shows. And Michelle was like, how about we talk about a story concerning legacy? And I was like, well, that's what I'm trying to make sure we keep up. Got you. I heard you. I heard <laughs> yeah, you. See? And we've done it. We've done it. We have a story, greatest story ever wove. Uh, it's, it's a real positive story about a black woman named Miss Banks who owns a museum called Legacy Museum and how she in this community is attempting to keep it live and, and relevant in a community that's changed, mm -hmm. in a community that has changed. Mm -hmm. And so we totally take the Teen Summer Musical and its legacy to help uh, recognize and 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 inform our community of how we continue to make legacy. 
Well, this is something that's right up my alley. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm already getting gooseys as you're just talking. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. first of all, I'm a theater kid. Number right. one, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I Garfield High School, you know, Langston Hughes, New Black Arts West. I mean, you name it. I was auditioning. I mean, I look at these young, I, I'll get emotional today because y'all, y'all are continuing in something that really cemented my childhood, right? And allowed me to be here where I am today and to take all of that expertise that I learned over the years and to be able to use it in a way that's impactful to community. I'm always just so honored and humbled and grateful for that. Right. Uh, but I, I got to bring it over to you, Michelle, because I have seen you perform lately. So I know <laughs> that these teens are under some great, great expertise yeah. in you. Tell us a bit about how you, you saw the vision to really embed legacy in yeah. this year's musical. Yeah. When Isaiah and I were talking about the story that we wanted to tell this year, um, um, we thought about which we I, I love that the Teen Summer Musical and Isaiah always try to make sure that the story that we're telling is contemporary. Right. Even if it has even if it's an old story, it has contemporary notes. And so we thought about, like, what does the world look like now that maybe it didn't look like a year ago or two or five or ten? And we're like, you know, this this notion of cancel culture is really high, it's really prevalent. Right. And we understand that there's there's a need to hold people and things accountable. But we also looked at that there's just sort of this inclination to cancel things. And we were like, what what but what happens when you cancel things is you don't get to build legacy. You don't get to grow things that are positive for the community because you just keep starting over. Right. Mm -hmm. You just get rid of stuff and you start over. And so part of the reason why legacy was so important in the story that we're telling this year was because Teen Summer Musical was built on top of something before it. Right. Just like Converge is built on top of something before it. Yeah. And just like Northwest Tap is built on something before it. And just like Langston, you know, what I'm saying? so many things in our community that we hold dear are built on something else. And a lot of times people think, oh, that's the first of its kind. And it might be the first of its kind in a way, but something came before it. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to sort of send a message or, or leave a message this year that said, let's honor the things that come before it as we build on what's to come, right? Like we can get angry about a lot of things that happen in our city um, that you got, that you and Bill just reported about, or not, maybe not angry, but we can be informed about it in such a way that it moves us to want to create change and affect change. But change is not the, uh, is not the enemy of progress or like, or building legacy. And how do we do both um, in such a way where we honor what's what's been before us, but we also give space for what's to come. Yeah, I think that that is so important. You got to have a good balance. And I see right. that happening with a lot of community based organizations right now that are on the ground, just like what you guys are doing. Right. It, it's important to realize how do we embrace these changes? But how do we ensure that our history and doesn't our footprint lost. doesn't yeah. get washed away and erased? Yeah. This is exactly why. I mean, I have mentioned it already, but the reunion on union, the, the bringing people back to the Central District just to enjoy a meal, share stories and history. Yeah. It was so phenomenal yeah. this year. And it's just when I am there and I'm seeing I, even last year brought my grandma. Right. And they're making all these connections. Right. Because there's so much legacy. So much rich history. And I know, man, I come from that. I always got to uphold it yeah. in everything I do. That's literally why we have this amazing, iconic wall behind mm -hmm. us. Because we want to be reminded every day yes. of all of these people that we're here yeah. to make it what it is yeah. today. So I love that you guys are doing that. I mean, what are some of the highlights folks can expect from the show this oh, year? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can definitely expect some of those great songs and dances from those, you know, 
classic pieces, The Wiz, Snow White, uh, Peter Pan, uh, Uncle Willie's Chocolate Factory. So we're bringing them all back with some flavor to them. And our, our music director, uh, Cedric Thomas, is really, really doing a phenomenal job with his team and, and making sure our youth. And for those of you who need to know, you have to know that this is the Teen Summer Musical. This is the essence. This is the heart of. This is the original Teen Summer Musical in every aspect. We rehearse Monday through Friday, mm. nine to five. Mm. These young people are committed. They are they are have professionals who teach them choreography, music, uh, stage direction, and all of that. We stepped it up a bit further, and now our staff consists of teen summer musical alums. Wow. Every last one of them. Oh my God. Yeah. You guys, yeah. I, I mean, I'm trying to control my gooseies, but they're un <laughs> they're uncontrollable right now. Uh, this is for me is you everything. Call them gooses? Yeah, go my, go my gooseies, right? Like they're like, oh my gosh, you know, because honestly, it is so exciting. One of the things that I am always working on is establishing pathways for our talent yes. to stay here yeah. because we understand, like, okay, go to that HBCU. Okay, young bro, young sis, do that, but then bring that brilliance back. You know, find, always know that your home is here and that there's a space for your creativity to thrive here. That's something that I love. And I love that you guys are doing that and really opening the door there. Uh, before I let you go, I know it's coming up. I I'm excited because we're going to have a whole performance. But Michelle, I want you to make sure that folks know because they can start getting, you know, in their minds when to get these tickets. Uh, you know, you can look right there. Make sure people know how to come and enjoy this show. Just let me say, um, Isaiah is so glad that you asked me that question because he hates this part of every interview. And that's okay. That's why I'm here. Um, first of all, uh, this year's Teen Summer Musical is being managed by Acts on Stage Theater. It's a theater that Isaiah and I started. Um, and so, again, like he said, it's the same Teen Summer Musical. It's just being managed by us in the aftermath or during and in the aftermath of the pandemic. We had to find new ways to continue legacy, yes. you know, even when the world stopped. And so um, you can go to our website. It's actsonstage.com, A-C-T-S, onstage.com. But the easiest way to get tickets is just to go to our.show slash teen summer musical. Our.show slash teen summer musical. And all the information you need is there to get you tickets. This is the first year we're doing an in-house performance of 12 shows. We normally do six, five, five. Six. We normally do one weekend of six shows. Yes. This is the first time ever uh, that Teen Summer Musical is doing two weekends um, for a total of 12 shows. And so there's, a, there's even one show that's a matinee show for community centers, a Friday show at 12 o'clock, because we want the kids who are finally back at their daycares, at their community centers, we want those kids to, to, to return and come see the show that they've, that they've become accustomed to seeing for, for 20, 25 years. Wow. Um, so again, you can just go to our.show slash Teen Summer Musical and, and the tickets are there and, and we're ready to serve you. And we're back at the legendary oh, historic yeah. Langston Hughes come Performing on. Arts Institute. We are back. Right, yes. and this is the 100th year. You're selling 50th, the 50th. Oh, this is the 50th, 50th year of, of, Langston, of Langston Hughes. Hughes. And so we're back. Um, we're, we're back at a high time for them, too. We're back at a legendary legacy moment for them as yes. well. So well, we're excited. We're so excited oh, about this. Gosh. We're so excited. We, are, we really are. Like a lot of, you know, Isaiah has told the story so many times about how Teen Summer Musical was birthed because we had so many kids of color, black kids especially and particularly 
um, who just were not getting cast in lead roles. Anytime yep. that they would go audition in other communities because they wanted to have a career or they wanted to try a career in the performing arts, they would essentially get regulated to the ensemble. They would mm -hmm. become a singer and a dancer in the background. And so Teen Summer Musical was launched because we're like, we have kids who deserve lead roles who shouldn't have to who shouldn't have to prove that they deserve to be Snow White because they don't look like mm. what you think Snow White should have looked like or they don't deserve to all they look like is the Wiz or yeah. Dorothy from the Wiz because yeah. the Wiz is black but you know what we have Snow Whites we have Cinderella's we have Peter Pan's and this year we have a whole new cast of characters because this year this show is written by Isaiah wow. and so um and so that's why Teen Summer Musical was burst because we were like our kids deserve lead roles and so that's what we're doing Oh my gosh, you guys. Well, okay. We're going to get your goosey. No, cause you look, cause I'm like, oh, we, we're going to get a real treat after yeah. this. I want y'all to be able to introduce who, who we're going to be seeing because it's coming on right after the break. We're going right to them. Who is here to perform for us today? No, you, we have, uh, again, some, they're teen song musical alums, but they're also teen, some musical staff at this point who are college bound, military bound, but they're gifted. And so we're going to have Trenton Walker. We're going to have Sydney Cole. And we're going to have Vasti. Lord, I always forget Vasti. But yeah. when you hear her sing, you ain't going to care that she got a last name. You hear me? Like, you are not going to care. I promise you. Her parents care. There it is. <laughs> All right, y'all. As promised, I want them to take it away. Listen to these amazing folks from The Greatest Story Ever Woke. You can't win by losing who you are. Don't let nothing take your soul. I make this guarantee that nothing you see is worth lying for and cheating for. I'm telling you what I know. You can't win by losing your soul. I know we don't have much, and sometimes I wish that we did. Just a little more to take away the less. I'd like to see you being a kid. I just wish that we could have fancy clothes. I wish that we could have a shiny car. Yeah, but that would mean less to me than the goodness of your heart. You can win by losing who you are. Don't let nothing take your soul. I make this guarantee that nothing you see is worth lying for and cheating for. I'm telling you what I know, you can't win by losing your soul. You can't win by losing your soul. Is it wrong? That I want nice things. Can I long for something that's made special for me? I'm looking at a whole wide world with so much possibilities. I want a little bit, just a little bit for me.
You can win by losing who you are. Don't let nothing take your soul. Nothing take my soul. I guarantee nothing you see is worth lying for and cheating for. I'm telling you what I know. can win by losing your soul. Oh my gosh. Oh my, hey, fantastic job, y'all. A little bit of tear here because I'm telling you, amazing. Thank you guys so much for gracing us with your amazing talent. Wow. Well, we are continuing on our favorite moments from the season one of The Day with Trey. Some of my top favorite moments, y'all. And this was a real treat. Coming up in third place here, but could have easily been first place uh, is the time I got to connect with Amanda Seals, y'all. She is such a huge star and a great advocate for so many amazing liberation style movements. Um, she embeds that into her work uh, when she is out there on tour. And we got a chance to see her right here in Seattle. And I was so grateful that she was able to make some time to spend a little bit of time with me on the day with Trey telling us about her show and her tour and also letting our audience know who she is and what she's about. Oh, I was so grateful for this moment right here. Y'all check it out. You guys, no further ado necessary. I get to welcome in Miss Amanda Seals joining us from StreamYard Link. What's up, Amanda? Are you muted? I oh, am, I am we no longer muted. Yes, I am joining you from StreamYard link. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm like, because I'm like, I don't know where you're at in the ethos. I don't want to say you're in one specific place, but I know you're on that link. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I, I got to say, I really thank you for making time in your busy schedule. And I'm so excited that you'll be here on Friday. You have done previous tours before. People have seen you all over the airwaves throughout Hollywood. Tell us a bit about your start, because I think, uh, you know, oftentimes people assume certain things, but you've been doing stuff for a very long time. And I actually got to see one of your uh, clips where you were talking about Seattle, <laughs> about the Northwest African-American Museum. You've done a lot of work before people even saw you on big screens. Tell us about your start. Um, I mean, I started when I was eight. I've been in the Screen Actors Guild since uh, 1994. Um, and I was doing commercials and I was in uh, the movie Cop and a Half and on Nickelodeon on My Brother and Me. Um, and so I was doing that kind of work as a child actor. And then um, when I got to college, I found my way to spoken word and just really honestly got my, my invitation into being just an independent artist and really supporting myself through my visual art and my lyrical art and doing music, et cetera. And that was really what I 
was doing for quite some time and found my way to Seattle doing spoken word and found my way back to Seattle doing visual painting and visual art. Shout out to White King Allah, who, who basically brought me out of Seattle several times to do different types of, of work, whether it was lecturing or speaking to kids or speaking to, folk, to older folks at libraries. I had a poetry book, you know, it was, um, it was definitely a time. And I really appreciate anybody who supports independent artists because I think that there's such an expectation that if people aren't like co-signed by these major networks, et cetera, that they're not really important yet. So I, I wasn't really being co-signed by major networks until I was on Insecure. Otherwise I was doing like stuff on VH1 and I was really just supporting my myself through the work that I was doing just freelance wise. And um, so shout out to all the artists out there that are making a way with their career, with their career and their creativity in, um, in this weird capitalist <laughs> place that we're in. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, the thing that I really appreciate about you is, you know, I think a lot of people sometimes when you, you get to a certain place, we, we talk about it in community all the time, but you really have stayed true to your ideals and that really carries you forward. I think when you are, you know, on your social media and you're calling out certain things, you're really putting things to light. And it sounds like you're going to be infusing some of that in your show. Tell us about how you, you know, curated this specific show to now it so people can kind of get a, a huge glimpse of all the things that you really showcase and represent. Well, this is stand-up. You know, this is stand-up comedy. You can check out my stand-up on HBO, my right there, that, that poster is my special I'd be knowing. Um, you know, I I know that people put me as an actress because I'm able to act, but at this point, I am I'm so more interested in using my voice to speak about things in a very direct way, uh, not through a character, but just through my experiences. And my standup is, uh, is the most potent and um, the most real version of that. And I'm on tour putting together my next special. And I've been in Raleigh, North Carolina. We've been in the Kennedy Center in DC. And with each show, I'm really making it my business to use my platform to try to um, be expansive in in bringing community together. So instead of having an opener on majority of these shows, we'll have a closer and the closer will be an activist or, or organizer in that area who is doing work on the ground. And really trying to, you know, let people know that the, the work has continued to be done, even if you weren't a part of it. And so a lot of my audience want to help. They, they want to be action-based. They know that there needs to be a fight an ardent, earnest fight against what's going on in this country, but they don't know where to start. Well, there's people who've been on it, you know, who've been focused. And so we're connecting with those people in these cities and, and throwing them up after I throw these jokes down. Oh my goodness. That's what I'm talking about. See, that right there is what, what I'm always sharing with folks, how you can utilize your platform to really spread the work that's happening on the ground. Amanda, man, hats off to you. <laughs> All right, y'all. I am loving these top moments from the season one of the day with Trey. Uh, this right here, I cannot let one of my top moments go by without paying homage to our resident life coach, Curtis R. Calhoun. This right here was a time where I got to do a deep dive with our life coach on some of the real life or tips that he has been sharing with us. And I guarantee you, if any 
any of y'all out there have utilized these tips in your daily lives, if you've connected with Curtis to figure out how to do a deeper dive on these tips personally, you have been able to reap the benefits of these amazing tips. So I got to dive in deeper with Curtis on this episode right here as he shares with us another real lifer tip, but he and I also get to share a lot in terms of how these tips have been beneficial to me and how grateful I am that he's been right here on the day with Trey sharing these amazing tips. Of course, y'all got to check this one out. What's up, Curtis? How are you? <laughs> Peace, Trey. It's good to be back in the Black Media Matters studios. Yeah, you know what? It's always great to have you. And you've been taking us through some amazing <clears throat> tips that we can all really use in our lives. And we're at the halfway point, right, halfway Curtis? Halfway point. Halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> out of 12 tips, we're at mm -hmm. tip number six. six. I'm going to throw it over to you so we can really discuss these tips in depth today. Okay. So let's start, go back to a quick recap, right? So first one is a real lifer always gives 110%. The second one is a real lifer is 110% responsible for everything they think, feel, say, and do in regards to their life. Number three is a real lifer makes their word bond and keep it impeccable. Number four is a real lifer is uh, pursues personal growth and development daily. And then a real lifer, number five, a real lifer uh, sets an intention for the day every day. So those are the first five that we've covered so far. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, and before we get into number six, I just, I, I gotta say, they all have such a special, unique characteristic about mm -hmm. them, right? Every tip that we've gone over thus far really is showcasing a, a specific element that we get to apply to our lives. But so much of it is about us being accountable yes. to ourselves when yes. we say we're going to do something. And I see that there's a real thorough line here throughout mm -hmm. all the tips of accountability, right? Yes. And that was intentional because the whole goal, there's, there's always has to be something that's a North Star, something we're reaching for. So the goal in the real lifer was to always be your best self, you know, and the thing you want to be best at is getting better, right? So we always want to be working towards, striving towards, progressing towards being the best person that we can be. And all of these have that in common and they build off of one another. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And, you know, with each one having its own kind of nuance, <laughs> it gives us something else to kind of set a foundation for ourselves. Yeah. So it leads right up here to number six. What's up with real life or tip number six? Number six, real life or tip number six is a real life or is growth mindset oriented. So what that is, it comes from a book called Mindset. It's written by a Stanford professor by the name of Carol Dweck. And, and in a nutshell, basically what it is, is uh, you have growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset is kind of static. Uh, so people that believe that, you know, what I am is what I am. I can't really improve whatever tools I've been given at birth is what I got. And that's what I'm working with through life where the growth mindset is optimistic. It's always growing. It's kind of what we just talked about, knowing that I can be my better self, working towards that and always having that as a mindset. You know, I, I mean, I didn't I, I'll be honest, like I feel like I didn't know there was another way because because yeah. ultimately yeah. we are here to grow. Right. But yeah. but I do know people and I've worked with some of these folks. <laughs> right. Yeah. That are like, you know, you I, I always tell my son, my, my 16 year old, I'm like, look, you entered the workforce. But trust mm -hmm. me, the same characteristics you're seeing right now at 16, you're going to see when you're 33. Exactly. You're going to see when you're 50. Exactly. It's like yep. there are certain people that are just th th that's what they um, mm. you know have in their minds and unfortunately it really is uh leads to stagnation like you said <laughs> but 
it's all about the outlook and which can be changed. That's the thing is yeah. that our outlook can change. But I uh, really appreciate this tip right here because so much of this is about how you see yourself once again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always about that because we're our own worst critic. Right. So that kind of with the uh, six areas of success is self-doubt, negative thoughts, limiting beliefs, inner areas. And actually, those are the uh, six culprits of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're always negative on ourselves, you know, always kind of beating ourselves up in our own worst critic. But we have to give ourselves some grace. We have to understand that where we are today is not where we have to be tomorrow. And like we're talking about today, growth mindset, optimistic, looking towards the future, knowing that we can be better if we're willing to do the work. Yeah, th this also, I think, has something to say about how you apply it in different facets of your life, whether it's yeah. on the job, in your family, yeah. you know, how your children get to perceive you. Mm -hmm. So much of this um, permeates all of the areas of our life. So I, I love this already. Uh, see, I I OK, I'm going to identify myself as a growth mindset person. Uh, <laughs> so so when we dive deeper into this, I know we got a few points here. Mm -hmm. What is six point one? Six point one is always be open to new information. Sometimes we get stuck, right? And we're, we uh, get rigid in our way of thinking. And all of these today, all three points really have this as the foundation is being rigid and stuck and not to do that because it doesn't benefit us. So we always want to be open to new information. You talked about like, you know, being in the workforce or, you know, we are in a lot of meetings. So have you ever been in a meeting where somebody's just unwilling to see another person's point of view or unwilling to see it from another angle? They just stay stuck in theirs and, and they just dig in and trench themselves. Absolutely. I yeah. have. I think this is really um, the the catalyst to a lot of things that end up failing, mm -hmm. unfortunately, exactly. because when you're talking about, you know, being open to new information, that means you have to be ready for collaboration. Yeah. And one of the things that I think that is the kind of antithesis to this is competition. See, right. Yeah. Yes. It's like if I'm going to if I'm trying to make my point clear and I want to make make sure everybody follows my thought, my mm -hmm. train of thought, mm -hmm. then I can't be open to what you're saying because mm -hmm. I got to dig deeper into what I'm saying so that everybody in this space can understand where I'm coming from versus being like, it's okay that you don't understand where I'm coming from. Let's find ways to merge in the middle. Let me be mm -hmm. open to what you're sharing so that maybe I can learn something new. I see this happen plenty of times. Yeah. Well, what you just said is, is the model for disaster, right? When we dig in and entrench ourselves, and we try to force our ideas on other people, they start to become closed off. But it's surprising that if we open up to what they have to say, then they'll open up to what we have to say and receive it better. Yeah, this is, again, This is, I think about family. <laughs> okay, it applies everywhere. <laughs> you know, right? Like you're at the dinner yeah. table and it's like, okay, you know, everybody brings their own set of opinions. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't yep. matter if yep. you are raised in the same household, same mother and father. You know, I deal with this with siblings all the yep. time. It's like, okay, I see it differently. And even when... What I love about my relationship with my siblings is we we may be really who we are, whatever we understand certain things, but we're not going to sit there and like make it seem as though where you're coming from is less than because it's different than where I'm coming from. Yeah. And so even though we, we've done that, right? Whereas we've been at the table like, man, no, wait a minute, let me, but let me tell you, yeah. don't bring up sports, see, because then it's a whole thing. You know what I mean? You're talking about who's the greatest. Who's and then the greatest becomes, basketball yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you start reading the statistics. It becomes a real debate. But yeah. I think that, you know, being open to what somebody else is sharing also allows you to learn, which is, again, yeah. goes back to mm -hmm. that growth mindset piece. Exactly. This is awesome. What's up with 6.2? So 6.2 is uh, 
the uh, be flexible and adaptable in your thinking. So with this one, it's important because, again, that rigidity, if we get rigid in our thinking and the way we think, then we're unable to pivot when it's necessary to pivot and the opportunities present itself. Hmm. This is what every time, see, they build upon each other. You know, we were just talking about growth mindset. Then we're talking about being open to new information. In order to do that, though, you have to be fluid and flexible in your thinking. You really do. Um, Adaptable in certain situations. I've I've really been able to apply this on different jobs, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, one of my first jobs out of college was, um, you know, they, they gave me a job description. They told me to do a real specific job. And everybody in that department was doing that specific job. But I could see that there was like, uh, uh, you know, a cog in the wheel, you know what I mean? Where it was like, it was stopping our productivity. Mm -hmm. And so rather than me just doing what was there, I was able to adapt a bit right there and literally created a whole new department because they realized, wow, we didn't understand that this was happening Mm -hmm. in this kind of production line. But sometimes you have to be able to do that. And this takes me back to to one of the things that I live by, see, Uh is what my mama taught me. My mom always says, be fluid and flexible. Mm-hmm. And she says that, and it, it it doesn't matter how I get to apply it. A lot of times it's within myself yes. and I get to share that with my children and with yeah. other people around me. I'm like, hey, when I hear them it's almost being in that rigid space, I'm like, man, just be fluid and flexible, yeah. which really, it, you know, lends itself to adaptability. Well, I have a mentor and he gave me this thing. You have to have a little bend in you because yeah. if you don't, you'll break. Right. So when you're talking about being fluid and flexible, we have to for our own mindset uh, and for our own self-care, because when we're flexible, we don't feel like we have to force things and we're able to relax. And that stress level stays down. But when we start forcing things and trying to make things happen too hard, you know, especially when when the opening is not there, then we start to get stress, anxiety, become overwhelmed and it starts to affect our health, our moods, our attitudes, things like that. Yeah, this is so true. And, you know, one of the things that I think I was able to experience in terms of like mentors and people around me, family, uh, my elders, is that there's there's a I see both sides. (laughs) Honestly, I see both sides of this scene, right? Where it's like, I can see the end result when you're not that way. Yes. And unfortunately, we have some folks that, you know, they're like, oh, look, I, I, I've been this way my whole life. You know, mm-hmm. certain elders, I've been this way my whole life. Ain't no changing. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Exactly. All this, right? Exactly. But it's like, no. And I'm, and I'm always like, but no, that's not true. Honestly, it's a choice once again to to say I'm going to be adaptable in this situation. I'm going to learn from my grandbaby. You know, let me exactly. instead of me feeling like I have lived all this life and so I'm just going to be a certain way. Let me actually hear what they got to say. And it's interesting because I've experienced this through the the wave of technology. Mm-hmm. You see mm-hmm. a lot of younger folks teaching some yes. of the older folks how to use some of these apps and cell phones and different technology because it wasn't something that they grew up with. So even though you have all of this lived experience, this right here is a new addition to society. It's a new addition to life. And it's one of the ways to apply that very principle right there. See? Well, when you say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, we know that as the old saying, right? So when you look at those people and you look at their lives, a lot of them are complaining, right? And a lot of them are not happy or satisfied with the results that they're getting or the outcomes of their lives, you know, the things that are going on. But they don't understand that that's what is tied to not learning those new things, not being flexible. It's like a person going in the wrong direction. 
Once you find out you're going in the wrong direction, you don't keep going. You go back, start over, figure it out. But you don't keep going in the same direction. Right, you know, right. you got to make a change. And, and that's where the flexibility, what we heard with COVID pivot, you know, things like that. Yeah, you, you mentioned COVID. And that was one of the things that came to the top of mind for me is that we also talk about this in terms of systems, mm -hmm. systems not being able to adapt and be flexible yes. in their approaches. But we did see a huge change in that when COVID hit for all of us. I mean, it was like, OK, we didn't have all of these things put in place, but now we have to be thinking about ways to keep our society safe. And there was a major pivot in adaptability that had to occur in order for us to really be responsive to COVID. And so, I mean, when, when you talk about these real lifer tips, I love this because they expand the spectrum. See, it's, you know, it's not just about individuals, you know, taking on these tips. I mean, this is like great for systems and institutions yeah. and entities and organizations to understand these tips as well because they're going to apply at all levels. Yeah. Well, that's the approach with the real lifer and the coaching that I do. We work with individuals and organizations, but we know that organizations are made up of individuals. So if we can change the individual, we know by default the organization will change. Yeah. If everybody's kind of moving with this in their minds and and really uh, creating uh, kind of like a, a systems of approach that this mm -hmm. is how we move, right? Yes. That right there is key, uh, particularly what I experienced and a lot of our community-based organizations, we have great ideas, great work that we're doing, but we need this kind of foundation in terms of the set of principles that really guide and govern yeah. how we move. So I really appreciate this. What's up with 6.3? So 6.3 is when you know better, do better. It's kind of <laughs> like we were talking about going the wrong way, right? So a lot of us get stuck in this where, you know, and even I was thinking about this this morning, uh, we get stuck in the past and things that we did in the past. But if we take this and adopt this mindset of if when we know better, we do better. We don't have to beat ourselves up over mistakes that we made. And we're able to move forward knowing that we're getting better. We're improving. And what I didn't know, I didn't know. But now that I do, I'm going to use and apply that. Hey, I say this all the time, <laughs> specifically about the way that I eat. Right. Mm -hmm. I can't like yeah. my body feels different. If I go to the junk and mm -hmm. if I'm doing fast food or whatever, I know it because I feel it in my body. If I'm really putting things in my body that are beneficial, I can feel that as well. Yeah. And that has been really new learning for me. Like, mm -hmm. of course, there was always this idea of like, let me balance my greens with my meats and with my, you know, with yeah. my starches. Let me have a well-balanced mm -hmm. diet. Mm -hmm. But then as I started to learn more about certain processing and things like like that, I'm like, oh, wait, okay, wait a minute. I'm putting all of these different kind of preservatives in my body and it's affecting me in ways that are not beneficial to me at all. So this is something that I apply and I say it all the time. So my family is always like, what? You ain't going to eat? You ain't going to eat this? And I'm like, no, I can't do it. You know, I'm like, yeah. when you know better, you got to do better, guys. Yeah. But it's also about application, see, right? Because learning is not just for learning's sake. Mm -hmm. Like my friend said to me, um, you can, learning is knowledge and wisdom is knowing when to apply it, right? Yes. Like yes. she just said yes. that to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm like, Oh, you know, no, that's absolutely right. A lot of this is about application. Yes, absolutely. But it's hard to apply it if you don't know it. And then it's hard to remember it if you haven't internalized it. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we practice it every day. That's why these come along with a checklist. So you can check off every day. Have you done these things? And then you can kind of see where the holes are on the page for the week that, okay, this is the area I need to focus more attention into. You know, some of these things are natural where some of these things you have to be more intentional. Yeah. Well, also, too, 
um, when we talk about all of the different ways that these things can be applied, I think over time, I'm sure through these checklists and you're doing them daily, mm-hmm. you actually get to see areas of your life where it's like, wait a minute. OK, I'm not I'm not applying this so much here. I'm still saying true to like, I don't mm-hmm. like that dude and yeah. I, I don't care. <laughs> right. And so yeah. in that regard, I'm not applying these things in that area. Mm-hmm. But you can probably see over time where the application is sticking. Because, again, we're talking about these being tips for not just individuals, but institutions and everything. So maybe they're like, oh, yeah, no, I've been using real life for tips on my job. But then when I get home, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) My spouse, I'm like, wait a minute, man. You know what I mean? I'm staying firm in how I am and I'm not being adaptable. I'm not being flexible. Is that also one of the kind of byproducts of really utilizing these tips over time? Oh, absolutely. Because remember, one of the the biggest things we want to focus on is our belief system and always being able to analyze and assess that belief system and seeing if it's serving us because what no longer serves us, we have to let go. But we're unwilling to do that because, you know, we talked about when you're going in that wrong direction, sometimes it just feels more comfortable. I know, you know, but without uh, thinking. So it's uh, important that we analyze that belief system and understand how those beliefs are affecting our change in other areas and not just one. This is not the end all be all by any means, the real life or 12 points. Right. But it's a foundation. It's a start. And then you build off of that with other knowledge. Yeah, it's a solid foundation, too, honestly, because it is a constant check on yourself mm-hmm. to be sure that again, at, like that, that just came to me. Cause I'm like, wait a minute, we've been talking about all these, these real life or tips. We're at the midway point now, yep. but honestly, if, if I'm only taking this in and saying, well, this is beneficial for me on my job, but yeah. you know how I deal with my family is just how I deal with mm-hmm. my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're also not giving yourself the full opportunity to apply all of this mm-hmm. and really change all of the areas of your life. Cause yeah. they do apply in that regard. I mean, man, see once again, dropping the knowledge right here. We appreciate you so much. Look right there. Make sure folks know how to find you if they need these checklists in their life. I'm going to tell you, we all do. Make sure they know how to get with you. Agree. So if you want access to the checklist, you can reach out to me at CurtisCalhoun.com or Curtis R. Calhoun on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. I got me a TikTok now too. There it is. (laughs) So, and YouTube. So you can find me there and you can reach out that way. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much again. Our resident life coach in the building. These tips have been phenomenal. I just appreciate you bringing this to to this platform right here so we can share it with everyone. Thanks so much, Curtis. Thank you. Peace. Appreciate it. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.